Hey, it's Lauren. Thank you so much for listening to The Afterlight. Enjoy the episode. This episode has been brought to you by Ra Ra Consulting and the Ra Ra Spirit Team Mentorship. Hey, it's Lauren here. I'm an expert in time management, content creation, and mindset work. My day job is working with overwhelmed or unmotivated business owners or service providers who want to get organized and motivated and review their current business practices so that they can kick start their journey to further success. You know, the average person with an average life lives 27,350 days. And even though we know that we just shape shift into something different after our time is done here, I believe that making use of your time and living the life of your dreams, which is a life of flow and bliss, is so incredibly important. And I want to help you do that. I can help you through business and life challenges. I can help you to, you know, change your mindset, to create time for self-care, to look at your dreams and to create a roadmap to help you get there. Also through the Raw Raw Spirit team, I offer group mentoring as well. So if one-on-one is not your thing, you're interested in more of a group scenario, then that would definitely be an option for you. All the details can be found in the show notes. You can also head to my website at rawrawconsulting.com or you can send me a DM on Instagram or on Facebook at any time to see whether or not working together is uh, maybe a good fit for both of us. All right, time for the episode. All right, Lauren Grace here, and welcome to the Afterlight Podcast. My guest today is Deb Acker. She's an intuitive relationship healer who helps women heal their relationships, especially their inner relationship. The result, deeply rooted, loving relationships in all areas of their life and feeling calm, safe, and in control, no matter what's occurring in their personal experience or in the world around them. In fact, Deb's clients often share that their work together is more powerful than years of therapy. When she's not coaching, speaking, or writing, you can find Deb working out in nature or traveling the world. She's joining me today to talk about continuing your relationship after a loved one has crossed over. Deb, thank you so much for being on the show, girl. I always get goosebumps when I read people's bios. (laughs) No, that's awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm yeah, I'm so grateful and excited to have this conversation. This is a conversation I've never had before, I don't think oh. on a podcast or in any form. So I'm so excited to have this conversation. Um, and I'm sure my mother is coming through. So <laughs> we'll be awesome. connecting with her too. So yeah, that's so good. Awesome. We'll see what she has to say during our conversation today then. So yes. one of the things that yeah. I like to do, Deb, is I always like to find out sort of how people's spiritual journey began because everyone's experience is so different. I find it really fascinating. So when did you sort of get introduced to the concept of spirituality? Was it always sort of prevalent? You've mentioned your mom might be here. I don't see her sitting beside you. So let's let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, no. So, I mean, I always say that my journey actually started before the age of two. And it was at that point in my life when my dad left. And while he was leaving my mom, he wasn't leaving me. Um, that had a major impact on where my journey was going to go. And it was really the start of an abandonment pattern in this lifetime. Mm. Then from there, what ended up happening was, you know, I, so my parents being divorced, my mother was my primary support system. She was my world. She was like a sister to me, best friend, everything. And what ended up happening when I was 17 was that she passed away from cancer. And so she, at that moment in time, obviously that was one of the hardest moments of my life. And at that moment, I didn't connect or even for many years, didn't connect that that was also part of an, the abandonment pattern that had started when I was two, right? right? Cause we tend not to think of death as that leaving space. Yeah. Um, but those two rooting in those significant moments in my life, you know, with my dad leaving before I was two and my mom passing away when I was 17, those for me would really set me off on my spiritual journey and my spiritual path. And little did I know (laughs) that it was meant to help me to learn how do I heal my deepest rooted patterns, my deepest rooted relationship patterns, my abandonment pattern. And how do I work through and really will awaken and then work through in part forgiving my dad for what happened 
And then the forgiveness piece, or, and then the grief piece with my mother passing away. And how do you shift that relationship so that it's actually something that's really cool and special and, mm. and everything. So that was sort of the lead in um, of really what put me on the path. And I didn't really get on the path though, until I was in my early thirties um, mm. after years of unsuccessful therapy. Uh, I was, uh, yeah, I was, that was really what I started, decided I finally was going to do something different to create a different result. Mm. And I ended up having an awakening or my, yeah, I woke up <laughs> and uh, <laughs> really started to see sort of obviously the bigger picture and move more from my soul and all those pieces. So that was really the start of all, all of that. Um, I would say. It's really interesting because I actually just spoke with the guest on one of our recent episodes, all about the dark night of the soul. And, you know, we were kind of talking about how, you know, breakdown leads to breakthrough and people who experience the dark night of the soul, it shows up for them in lots of different ways. Do you think that, you know, you could kind of say that even when you were around the age of two with your father leaving, that might've been almost like a mini dark night of the soul, or, you know, I'm only saying mini just because it was, you were so young then, or do you think that it kind of happened a little bit later when you sort of realized, wait a minute, therapy's not working for me. What's kind of your thoughts on, on that in, in regards to your own journey? Yeah. You know, I'm getting chills as you're asking me this question. So I would definitely say my childhood, I, and I actually had a therapist tell me one time, she's like, you, it didn't appear that my parents were any worse than any other parents, but she's like, knowing, she knowing, knowing all the dynamics of my parents, she's like, most people that have the type of parents that you had either end up in addiction, they end up suicidal or dead, um, which at some point in my life, I've gone through, obviously I'm still here in physical body, but at mm -hmm. some point in my life, I went through the other two pieces. Mm -hmm. And so it, it was, I would say, a, 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 it was a partial dark night of the soul, though I was, again, it was just sort of me trying to figure out how do I manage my world? How do I get through this, you know, the rest of my childhood with these crazy parents I have that I chose, you know, and I know yeah. I set it up that way. Yeah. But why though? Why? <laughs> <laughs> well, and later I would realize why, but yeah. in that moment, it, it was like, just, I just kind of thought I got the short end of the stick, which I think a lot of us feel right. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, ah, shoot, I got the, I got the worst parents. <laughs> and the thing is my mother was amazing, but she just, she wasn't, she was enough kind of to get through a lot of the things that she had gone through with my dad leaving. And I have a twin sister. So with the two of us, she just had, she wasn't really there. She had, a, she fantasized a lot. Um, she worked a ton to, to support us. And then even when she wasn't working, she loved exercise. She was at exercise. So uh, she was there for me when in the moment she was there for me, it was incredible. But what I didn't realize is it set up an attachment, you know, a, an anxious attachment style for me, right. That was the way that I related in, you know, in the, in the world. Mm -hmm. So yes, you had that. And then I would say I had, I, I had to have that pivotal moment in my adulthood where I had, I kept going on dates and I kept attracting unavailable men and I kept wishing it was different. I recognized that it was in part related to my dad leaving. And I finally had that pivotal moment where I was like, okay, I was at my family friend's house. I was sobbing and I was finally at the juncture of, I am going to do something different to create a different result here. I am going to actually do something that's going to change this. And I'm, it's not going to be, you know, at least therapy, um, even though I continued therapy too, I was finally willing to make a different kind of investment in myself mm. and do something different and stretch myself out of my comfort zone in part, because actually my therapist at the time, she had known my mother. So there was all kinds of enmeshment and codependency and bad boundaries mm. and all kinds of things that were in that dynamic that I was having trouble leaving because she was connected to my mother and she knew her. Uh, and, you know, she was just doing the best she could. She was, she wasn't a bad therapist. It was just not the right fit for me at that point in my yeah. juncture. Yeah. So, yeah. It's interesting. Cause as I hear you speak, I can't help but real or, but, you know, kind of bring to light, I guess your 
amazing ability to understand yourself and your self-awareness. And I think that that's a trend that I sort of see with a lot of people on the spiritual path is that they have an ability to understand themselves in a different way than other people might, might not. And I think that, you know, when you're speaking there, your awareness that you needed to do something different to get a different result really sort of, I don't know, do you think that came from spirit and came through you? Do you think you just went, all right, enough is enough. I'm ready to, you know, actually step into my power because there's something to be said for playing small and having things not work out and, you know, kind of living a life like that, where you're not empowered, where you aren't taking responsibility for what's happening to you. And then stepping into that is a completely new world. So I had soul contracts in place. I have always known my path and my destiny, so to speak, but it wasn't anything prearranged, so to speak, but my path, my purpose is always around relationship. Mm -hmm. And I had soul contracts in place where I needed to learn how I, I, where I wouldn't even be allowed to get into the relationship I was seeking until I had healed through my relationship patterns, until I had fully forgiven my dad. So, you know, as a soul, I put those contracts in place because I just knew I, you know, I'm an old soul as I'm sure so many of the people you talk to are, and I just knew it's it's too easy to get into relationship with someone. If you don't have those contracts in place, it's too easy to override it and not do the work or to do, you know, I hear a lot of people say the words, oh, I forgave them. Right. But there isn't that embodied feeling around forgiveness. Right. And if you're not at the space of fully wholeheartedly loving that person for the role that they played in your life, then I always say we have more work to do. You may not do it in this lifetime, but that understanding that there's more work to do and your soul, even if you're like, I would never choose that again, your soul will choose it again until you get it a hundred percent in that I fully forgive. And it's really embodied and true. So how do you start the journey to forgiveness and why do you think forgiveness is so important? I mean, you've pretty, pretty much laid it out, but you know, can some people just kind of coast through and not forgive, for example? Sure. That's one choice. (laughs) Um, (laughs) We have free will, baby. (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so in the, the thing that I would really say in terms of starting the journey to forgiveness is starting to really acknowledge and recognize the pain that that person caused you and the impact that they are having, that they had on your life and your experience. So my first entrance into really acknowledging that with my dad was anger. And typically anger is there. That's why so many of us have a hard time feeling our feelings because there's so much anger there. And we try to go to feeling tears or sadness or, you know, a different kind of emotion. And that anger has to be expressed first. And that can take, so I sat in a room, they didn't have clocks in the room when I did this, the first thing, my first entrance into forgiveness, but I sat in a room for hours screaming, punching, kicking. It was rage, um, but like not, there's like inherited rage and my own rage, I think it was just inherited rage, but I had to express all that anger. I was, I didn't realize at the time how angry I was at him for, you know, for leaving basically for what he had done. And then part of his old personality, he's changed so much through my journey and through his own journey. But part of his old personality was he didn't ever recognize or honor the impact he had had on me. Mm -hmm. And so that was extremely hurtful because we kind of lived in this, another version of the fantasy world on my father's end where it was, oh, we pretend everything's okay. And, Mm -hmm. you know, nothing's wrong here. And I didn't do anything wrong and we're all okay. And from his end, because I wrote a book about this, my book, Living Deeply, from his end, he, so he read my book, which I thought he absolutely knows he had this like crazy impact on me and he absolutely knows he hurt me and he did not know at all. And so from his end reading that book, that was his first recognition or acknowledgement of the role that he had played in my life and that 
his actions, while unintentional, impacted me and hurt me. So definitely uh, really starting to acknowledge, okay, I am really angry at this person or whatever comes up for you, right? I'm angry at them and I'm angry at the impact. I, you know, I can't have, you know, I could have back then said, I don't, I can't have the relationships I want in my life as a result of this person. You know, we have to go into that victim mode. So many of us avoid the victim mode and we try to kind of go to spiritual bypassing or to higher level energies. And while that's not bad, that doesn't heal it. So we have to first allow ourselves to have that victim part of us that just feels like a victim. Like, why did I get these parents? Why did they, you know, why did he show up that way? Why did he have to leave me? Mm. And for me, one of the things that I work on with my clients is, can we acknowledge our experience? So one of the things I'll have them do, and I say, see this leaving your body. It's not about cementing it in or holding it in place. But, you know, for me, with my experience, it's, and I do this, I work with a lot of people who do have abandonment patterns, which so often are caused from having physically or emotionally unavailable parents. So whether your parents work a lot, you know, they can't handle emotions, which are less traditional ways that we think of abandonment or the deeper ones like addiction, divorce, death, um, whether, no matter what that looks like and what that is, uh, that, you know, we can have that abandonment pattern, but I would have my clients say, and I, I did this myself. I was like, why did he have to leave me? Why did he have to leave me? And if, if we can say that or whatever we feel our true experiences and what we wish would have changed over and over. If we say that out loud several times, really seeing it leaving our body, or we can set the intention that it is leaving. When we can say that out loud several times, all of a sudden, I mean, you can feel it even got slightly light, lighter, just me saying it like two or three times, let mm. alone when you say it several times, it takes the charge off of it. I mean, it's just one small sliver, right? But it takes, right. it starts to take the charge off of it. And it, it's us honoring us. And that might be the first time that we feel safe with ourselves because so much of the time we, we and especially if you have empaths, I'm an empath, you know, HSPs, intuitives, all of the whole like, yeah. <laughs> right? If you have people like that um, listening and, you know, and we all are, right? So much of the time we get taught to deny our inner experience. And so what happens is, is that creates a separation between us and our inner child and us and ourselves, and we no longer feel safe with ourselves. And then we go on to the world and we attract relationships where, that we don't feel safe in as a result of this. Mm. And so when we can start to rebuild and reintegrate that relationship with ourselves, which is in part acknowledging our experience and acknowledging our feelings, when we can start to do that, everything starts to change, things start to shift, and we start we start to feel better and we feel safer in the world, not only with others, but with ourselves. And what I'm getting from this as well is that the more that you are taking time to heal yourself, heal your wounds, you know, reconnect with yourself, that actually allows you to open up to, you know, your soul purpose, to the guidance that you have around you, to your mother's spirit, who's passed to, you know, the spirit guides and the spirit team that are really here to remind you that you're not actually alone. You don't need to do it alone. You never were truly abandoned, you know, all these sort of things that come up. Yeah, absolutely. The way I always describe it is I say, we feel like we are wearing a sheer bodysuit, but we're really wearing like a sumo wrestling costume. And if we can imagine that every single pattern that we have is part of that costume and you keep unraveling each pattern upon pattern and pattern, you return to the sheer body suit that we think we're wearing, but we have all these, what I call inherited truths. You know, the truths that we got from our parents that we took on as we believed that they were our truths, but they really weren't necessarily. And so, yeah, it starts to create a shift and we start to, it opens us to our path, which is what you're talking about, right? Our purpose, it opens us to the relationships we're meant to have in our, in our world, it opens us to learn how to be true to ourselves and how do we love ourselves and own our worth, all of that. Yeah. So good. Also just for our listener at home, I did do a really interesting interview. Um, it's actually one of the earlier episodes with Rob Schwartz. And we talked all about pre-birth planning and his books on pre-birth plans. So that's kind of a lot about what Deb's 
alluding to here as well. So if, if you are wanting to go and explore that concept further, I'd really recommend that you uh, listen to that episode. So today, Deb, we are going to be talking about continuing your relationship after a loved one has crossed over. And I would imagine that, uh, you didn't always realize that that was something that you would have been able to do. So when did you first realize that when we die, we don't actually die? <laughs> so it's very interesting because I had always kind of held pieces of this truth, right? So even my mother passed away when I was 17 and about a week after she passed, I remember I'd asked her to give me, so I had a consciousness. She's like on her deathbed and where she's in the hospital. I was with her and my sister was with her. And I had the consciousness maybe in one of our last, it was in one of our last conversations together to say to her, give me a sign that you are okay when you've crossed over. Mm-hmm. So even at that juncture, even though I'm 17 years old and at that point, even though I had some intuition, I wasn't aware of it or tuned to it. I had some sense of the magic. I had some sense of the continuation, so to speak. And so I said this to her and a week after we, uh, she passed or about a week, she came to me and I was dreaming and I was dreaming about, uh, her and her sister and her mother was interesting dynamic. And she was kind of the mediator between the the two of them. And I had this dream, like they were fighting, I think. And I had this dream and in the dreams, it's like, she's here, she's here. And I felt this physical force, um, that I maybe have never felt since go through my body. Mm -hmm. And I just, I knew that was the sign. I said, I asked her for the sign. It was very clear. And I just knew that that was her. And there was something within me that, that as I started to continue and go down this path, I felt that I could ask her for help with things that I could, I asked her for like help. I was in um, an economics class, I think, or marketing, it was marketing class. And I was like, help me get an A. <laughs> I was negotiating my, my grades with my teacher and I was walking to the, to his, he basically, it was like a 1500 person class. And he said, whatever you do, do not come here and ask me to change your grade. And I was like, <laughs> challenge I accepted. I was, <laughs> yes, exactly. And I walked over to, I was, as I was walking over, I was talking to her and I was like, please help me, you know, to work this or navigate this. And so I knew, and that was just in college, right? So that was pretty close after her death. And so I knew, it's like I knew in some way I could ask her for help. I knew in some way I could ask her for signs. I, I had, that piece of it at an early age, even though, and I believe we all have access to that intuition and being able to connect with the other side. It's just obviously healing ourselves and then how that reveals itself. But I just, I knew, and even I think about one other story is coming up, which was really cool, but I thought this was so cool. Um, I was in advertising at the time, it was in my early twenties. And again, I was having a rough time and I asked her to give me a sign that she was with me or asked her to give me a sign that she was still there. And we went, my friend and I liked all the woo stuff. And so we went to this coffee cup reading and this woman, she's like reading that, you know, we did a, like they read the grinds on the inside of your, your cup, right? So you have the coffee, you empty out the grinds and then they read it for signs and stuff. And she, the first thing she said was that she's like, there's a name on the inside of this cup. And she's like, does Pat or Pam mean anything to you? And I was like, I knew I was like two or three days after I'd asked for that sign. It was really clear. It was so obvious. And I just knew I was like, there, there you go. And also she could have told me anything at that point, And I would have believed her. It's like, you're, you're going to fly <laughs> in a couple of, you know, years. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, that's that, right. <laughs> um, but that was, those were pivotal moments in me starting to build that connection. The thing that really comes up though, in part to share is that part of what really opens that connection is being willing to truly grieve that person and healing ourselves. Mm. So it is so crucial and so important that if I had just been trying to kind of elevate and go to the space of like, I want to feel her, I want to talk to her, I want to start to build that relationship from the other side with her without dealing with this, the biggest loss to date that I have ever had in my life and dealing with the pain and the missing her and all the aspects that come with grief. Mm -hmm. If I hadn't dealt with all of those, 
that, I mean, it was just crucial that I needed to deal with all of that. I needed to feel it, that I needed to allow myself to have that grief and have that sorrow and, and have those moments in yeah. my life for those. Mm-hmm. So what was your mom's name? Pat or Patty. Yes. Yeah. Okay. There you go. <laughs> um, and you know what you made me think of too, when you're talking about that, I, I know one of my previous guests, she mentioned that sometimes when you're not seeing the signs from your, your loved one, it could be that they don't want to come close to you because it, it makes you too sad. So that's exactly what you talked about there, that you have to have gone through some kind of healing phase because otherwise, why would they want to inflict that kind of pain on their loved one? Yeah. So I would say to that, there could be some other elements to that, right? It could be that it maybe isn't in your highest good for you guys to interact at that point. Mm-hmm. You may have some kind of soul agreement or soul contract that they're, that they shouldn't come closer or that right. maybe even that you do have to heal and work through some of the grief of that. So there can be a lot of aspects to why they don't come close and they may not come close because they're like, they're moving on or they, you know, it's not always me because they're like so worried about us. I mean, it depends on the relationship. My mother, so my mother said to me when I, when she, before she passed, she said to my sister too, she made a commitment. She's like, I will be there for you. I will be there for, she wanted to be there in physical form for my graduation and for my getting married and all of that. But she made that commitment. And as I started to get more into the woo, one of my friends, actually, we were doing like a training session or something and she was reading me and she's like, you know, your mother just wants you to know that she's, you know, that she is basically going to not reincarnate until you guys both cross over. And so she, so she's like, but she'll, she'll be around, but not, this is my mother's voice, but not in the creepy way or anything. Um, so, ooh, spooky. Um, so, and my mother had a great sense of humor, but so she said that to me and I knew that I knew that was true because that was something she was so committed to it. Even Mm. when we were, you know, when she was still here, she's like, I am going to be there for you. And that was a commitment she made. And so I just know that she's going to still be on the other side when I get, get over. And then I'm sure she's going to be ready to, to, even though time and space is illusionary anyways, she's going to be ready to have her own adventures in physical form. Yeah, that's so cool. So I'm really wondering, Deb, how you have developed your skills over the years and also how you sort of discern between information that is real and true and information that's not. Because like you were talking about when you had the coffee cup reader, she made reference, she pulled your mom's name. um, And and then you said that, you know, at that time you were looking for signs, so you would have accepted anything. You know, how have you kind of developed and grown to understand a little bit more about what is true versus you know, maybe information that, that isn't, for example. Yeah. So the first thing that I can't emphasize enough is our healing helps us decipher what's true and what's not true. The more we clear our patterns, the more we clear our childhood trauma, the more we clear our wounding, the more we clear all of that and heal through that, the more clearer that all the messages that are coming through the more clear those are to decipher, the more clear those are to even receive and understand. So it's, that is so fundamental. And again, that's, it's the whole point of, okay, you know, when we go, if we go just into love and light and we don't feel the things that we need to feel and heal the things we really need to heal, um, we block, oh, more of our ability to decipher, I should say it like this, our ability to decipher truth isn't as clear. Right. And is that because so, we're adding our human mind on there, like our ego expectations or our wishes from a, almost from a base standpoint, like a human kind of level that we're wanting things to be maybe different than they are, you know, for example, we're clouding the reality. Our patterns cloud the reality. And it's like, imagine if you have a pattern of second guessing yourself and maybe you second guess yourself because, you know, when you were a kid, you're, you know, you, you trusted that your dad was going to show up to an event and he didn't show up. And then you knock down that part of you, right? You are like, I'm never going to trust myself again. If you don't work through that part of you, that second guesses that doesn't fully trust your father's experience 
or your, your experience, you know, what you trust, trust yourself. Then you go to read, okay, is this true? Or is this, this person coming through or, you know, X, Y, name it. Right. Mm-hmm. When you go to read that, it will, it, it will be harder to decipher and, or you might put some attachment on that because you want it to be true or because you, you, you took your parents' truth as, as your reality. And then you just never healed through that. And so now you know, you don't even know what your reality is, let alone to actually decipher that in your experience. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I like that a lot. And do you think that part of that is strengthening your intuition? So you can kind of start to understand and see the patterns within yourself that aren't resolved. I think it's so crucial for us to start to recognize, okay, this is how my intuition comes through, which is, can be different from every other single person. And so when we can really, really recognize that, because the thing is, is what happens is we go to somebody to help us guide us on the path, which is important and necessary, but we go to that person and then we take their realities and their truth as our own, especially if you're a sensitive being, if you're an empath, if you're an intuitive, if you're a healer, that is a huge part and like a lot of times we can go to psychics right and we look to them to have the answers for us and part of our journey is this return to ourselves right is this I I heal myself I return to myself I recognize that all of the answers are within now that does not mean we don't get support and get help from the outside but that help should always be guiding us back to ourself guiding us back to the answers from within guiding us to higher states of intuition guiding us to higher states of vibration guiding us to higher states of healing within ourselves mm-hmm. and higher states of expansion. And so the more we keep doing the work and keep, I, I think it's fun. So I call it work, but I, <laughs> I, I was gonna, like, that's funny that you said that because I was just thinking when you were talking, I was just thinking we, we don't need to make it as serious as it sounds you're, you know? And so I like how you said that just then I thought that was a That was a psychic moment we just had there, girl, because that's exactly right. It doesn't need to be this big, oh, I need to trudge through the mud and everything is tough. It could be joyful and light, right? I mean, I personally, yeah. (laughs) No, I I personally think all of the time, like if you know me, you know, I have this like really playful joy, light side. And I bring that into my work with my clients. I bring that, I mean, I put it on social media. I, there's, the thing is, is like, we're meant, this is, what if we got trained and conditioned when we were kids that this was actually a fun thing to do? Like, and what if we started to see it more of it as an adventure versus like, oh, I gotta go and like, I gotta go heal myself right now. (laughs) I gotta go sit in the corner and cry. Like with our emotions, right? What if we saw our emotions as a gateway to us feeling more alive and this more, it's like living life. I always say living life in black and white versus color. So what if we saw our emotions as that's how you bring life to full on freaking color at all times. So if we got conditioned to think of our emotions as right too, like, which obviously back in the day when you and I were growing up (laughs) was a stretch, <laughs> likely not likely, right? But uh, you know, if we got conditioned to see it that way, then all of a sudden, when these when we started to have to work through these things as adults, we would have a totally different vantage point and a totally different yeah. perspective. Yeah, we would. Sometimes I think to myself, damn it, if I'd only known then what I know now, I would have been. <laughs> so much better off. But, you know, like you said, we have our soul contracts. We have our soul journey. We have the things that we need to do. And also all of our experiences led us to where we are now, which, you know, is really important that we do go through that. So I know that today we are talking about continuing your relationship Mm -hmm. after a loved one has crossed over. I do want to know whether or not you think it's healthy to, you know, continue all relationships with people after they've they've crossed over because not all relationships are necessarily uplifting and, and healthy and, and positive, um, in real life, you know, I'm saying real life just to keep it kind of separate, I suppose, or clear. Yeah, physical form. Yeah. Physical form. Thank you. Uh, you know, so why would you want to continue some of those relationships afterwards or do you even need to? I mean, I think that's, that's up to each individual. So I think it's up to us. To, this is part of the importance of us connecting to ourselves, right? And, and starting to get to know ourselves and our desires from within. 
because I think it's important for me, I had a strong desire to connect to my mother and stay in contact with her and my grandparents. I, I love my grandparents and I feel them at different points on my journey um, and other people too in my life, but definitely um, those are some of the main, my main relationships, but absolutely not. You do not have to continue some of the relationships. I mean, you, you just get to choose yeah. and understand if there's like, if you felt close to, if you had a, had a, what society would define as a close relationship, like father, mother, in those aspects, but you didn't actually really have a close relationship and you didn't work through that. That I think is such an important piece to then, here's the thing, if they cross over and you haven't worked through it and you're like, I'm so angry at this person, I don't want to have anything to do with them. Mm-hmm. Of course, you're not going to want to continue that. But if you could use that as an invitation to say, okay, wait, I'm going to heal that relationship and then see if that, if both parties have to want to continue the relationship, it's mm-hmm. not just us about us continuing. So it's a reciprocal thing. And so, but I, you're like, if you let go of those cords, if you let go of those pieces and those ties that keep us with either feeling bad or feeling weighted down or all the things that happen in our life where it's so hard and then we don't work through them and then we just carry them with us our entire life. And while we think it can be healthy, it being like, it's, it's sort of, we feel like, oh, wait, I'm, it's, it's, it feels easier to, to avoid it. Yeah. At the end of the day, instead of spending a day, a week, a month, a year working through it, you are carrying it with you for decades. That's so much heavier than just saying, okay, I'm going to concentrate and put some focused time to work through this relationship that maybe uh, didn't feel so good or hurt me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I would just add, add those aspects to it. I do want to ask you in a minute, maybe if you have some tips and tricks on how to start building your connections with those who have crossed over that you want to yeah. um, you know, continue to remain in contact with. But before that, one thing that I think is important to kind of talk about is that um, not everybody who crosses over is all of a sudden super wise, right? They're, they don't all of a sudden know everything. They're not like an angel or, or an ascended master or something like that. So, you know, while you're getting to know or while you're getting to connect with people or who have crossed over, how important is it also to discern whether or not the information that they're giving you is helpful? Or do you kind of set the intention to say something like, you know, I only want to receive the information for the highest good of all concerned for for example, how do you kind of uh, manipulate that or not manipulate it, I but think I guess that put I, that out there. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> I love manipulated. that you asked this question. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that you asked this question because I think it's so important. It's something that has taken me a long time to even really fully get. Cause I kind of always assumed, you know, when I talked to my guides and angels, I always assumed that they had a higher level of information than I did. Yes. But what I have come to realize over time is nah, <laughs> they don't always, they don't always, that's not always the case. And so I always, first of all, if it doesn't feel light, that you had asked me this question earlier and I didn't, I didn't give you this one part of this, but if it doesn't feel light to me, it doesn't, it, to me, I don't, I say it's not truth. So if something feels heavy, I typically know that's either from fear or something that's not from truth or from the highest space. Yes. And so I will ask, sometimes I've asked in the past, I said, okay, I only want my high vibe guides on this. Or for me, where I am vibrationally, I can't have someone coming in at like the vibration of 200 or 250 or 300 giving me guidance because typically that isn't good guidance for, for me. And so I'm like, you, you know, I always say you better be in the vibration of, and I'll ask those questions. I'll say, mm. uh, is this a guy that's at least at 500 or 550 vibrationally? You know, I said, is this a high vibe guide? This guy, typically I'll ask it or a low vibe guide that's giving me this guidance or giving me this information. So just even starting to ask that question and then you get to say, okay, well, that does feel good to me. Even if it's a low vibe guide, that does feel like the right thing for me. Or you know what? That feels like low vibe advice. That's not really in my highest good. For me, I am always about doing the thing that is really in my highest good. Yeah. I really, I know my friend's like, why can't you do something that's just fun or do it for, <laughs> do it for other reasons? And I'm like, it's got, I like it for my highest good. I want it for my highest good. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I always feels right to me, but yeah. yeah. Just being willing to ask that. Yeah. 
You know what I think is cool too, about what you're talking about is that you're kind of putting everything through your own truth filter. You know, you're not taking information and going, yeah, that's the truth. You're, you're processing it. You're taking a bit of reflection time. It sounds to me to make sure that the decisions that you're making or the information that you're getting is really in line with who you are, because this is the thing too, that we sometimes, you know, well, we, we know, but maybe we forget that we're, we live in a free world world. So you might get some guidance that says, Hey girl, you know, I think you should go, or like, here's some suggestions to go over here. And you're just thinking, no, it just is not the right time. Or I can intellectually decide here that, that that's not what I want to do right now. I'm not ready for that commitment or I'm not, you know, for example. Yeah. So it's really important because the pattern that comes up so much of the time when we're asking, and this was at least my pattern, my patterning around it. When we're asking our guides and angels for questions, a lot of times I was giving my power away and I was thinking that something outside of me had the answers for me. And it is so important that we really take this into our own truth filter, just exactly what you're talking about and filter the information and recognize, okay, that feels right or feels true or feels good. And that doesn't. And, and we just are really grounding the information and deciphering it to make sure that we are in charge of and leading our lives. Yes. So, so much of the time we can give our power away and, and have someone else leading our lives. And that's what we, I mean, it's just the patterning of, of especially of empaths and sensitives and all, all of that. It's just, it's just a common patterning. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now we've understood that when we're putting the intention out there to receive the highest information, we're running it through our filter. We've worked through forgiveness. We've gone through our patterns and we've understood that we, you know, maybe have stuff that we still need to sort out or not. You know, it kind of sounds to me that when all that foundation is sort of ready and in place, that there's a good opportunity now to connect with your loved one who has crossed over and to continue building that relationship. So how do people sort of get started? Because not everybody has the awareness at 17 to ask for signs and to pay attention to those signs when they're presented, by the way, because sometimes they're there and we do not see them. <laughs> so how do you yeah. get started if you've never really done this before? Or how do you even develop your connection further if you have sort of a bit of a, an idea on, on how to get started? So... To me, the way that I would describe this is a couple of things. I would say we've all, or most of us have had at some point in our life, these unexplainable moments around something that we can't explain around something cool that happened, that even if we're not connected, tuned in, that, that happened to us, that had some level of magic to it, that had some level of an unexplainability. I think that's the word unexplainability. It's like a good word. So, Let's just use it. <laughs> it's a, we'll use it. It makes yeah. sense. So can you, what I first would recommend is to sit down and, and you can ask to sort of, it's like, sit down and, and write down the ones that you think of. And you can say, can you, over the next course of the next few days or weeks, can you remind me of some of these, if you can't remember? And then it's just, again, it's about paying attention now, the more we heal, the more we keep fine tuning, right? And the more we keep, we start to recognize, oh my gosh, this, I always say intuition is coming through for all of us. Just most of us just aren't tuned to it. Cause especially if vibrationally you're at the level, you know, of 50, hundred, 200, that intuition that's coming through is coming through it, whatever I'm making this up, but like 600. So yeah. you're just not always able to tune into it. Yeah. And so again, the more work we are doing to heal ourselves, we can tune in more. What I also recommend, and I think is really, really good, is just to start to say out loud, give me a sign that I'm going in the right direction, or give me a sign that you're still here, or give me a sign, you know, of, of where you, where you would guide me next. So we can just start to say that out loud mm -hmm. and we have to pay attention. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times what happens, this is what's coming up to share about this. A lot of times what happens is we like when we're new to this, we're like, I didn't get the sign. So instead of affirming, I didn't get the sign, the sign probably came, but maybe you weren't tuned to it. Right. Instead yeah. of affirming that, then they say, you know what? A sign came through and I didn't, I didn't see it. or I didn't get it. Give me another sign. Give me a different sign. Give me a yeah. more obvious sign. Yeah. Um, give me a louder sign. <laughs> so starting to ask for some, asking for that in a, in a way, just give me an, you know, give me, I maybe said, give me an obvious sign. So if you can say, it's like, give me an obvious sign, an obvious sign to me, 
I also think that when, before we come into our physical world body, we set it up for our intuition, our soul, our guidance to communicate with us in our languaging in certain ways that if someone else got that, they would, it would mean nothing to them. Yes. And so really starting to recognize, okay, for me, I mean, before my mother passed away, when I was 16, she got, she got told her cancer had been healed. And I knew immediately I had the awareness again, didn't have the words for it and didn't know it was my intuition, but I had the awareness immediately. That's not true. That was my awareness. Like, and I remember it later in that time, like I said, I just didn't recognize what it was, but later I was like, oh, I, I knew it wasn't true. I knew that that wasn't accurate, what she, what she had been told. And so just starting to, for me, when I started writing my book, Living Deeply, I talk about a lot of these experiences I had with these really cool awarenesses and things that I wasn't aware of. And I, when I asked, when I was started writing that book, I asked my guide, I said, give me, remind me of all the stories that I don't remember that are valuable. And then they're going to be important to share for people to start to open to those magic and miracles in their own life. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's, those are a few tips that I would say. One of the things that you kind of brought up there, maybe think about that, you know, when you are developing your own intuition, your own, it's almost like you're creating your own little treasure map, really. Because like you said, you know, I might see a heart omen and I just know that's for me. Whereas you might see a heart and go, oh, that's cool. Reminds me of Valentine's day. And then that's it, you know, or somebody might see an owl or a butterfly or something like that. And for them, that's just significant of you know, the path that they need to go on or a sign from spirit or whatever the case is. So, you know, do you kind of recommend maybe people take a log even of like what things mean for them and kind of start to develop their own language? Cause I know that's what a lot of mediums do is they start to kind of process signs and then those signs mean something in their life. I know that's taking it a little bit more of an advanced thing, but we are sort of talking about mediumship here. Absolutely. No, I mean, I think it's absolutely important just to take note of all the different things and even just, again, paying attention to, okay, what's my mind thinking? I I mean, I told my sister, so my sister's a younger soul than I, and something came up one time about the ways I was talking to her about the way my mother or our mother comes through (laughs) my mom. (laughs) (laughs) I was talking to her about the way that our mom comes through. And I just said, she comes through in a lot of numbers, you know, and like her birth date. Uh, when I see part of my old phone number when we were kids and my sister didn't have the consciousness around that at that point but then she's like immediately when I said that she started to connect more oh wait like she gets a sign through if she sees we used to drive when I was a, like a teenager I drove a Chevy Cavalier and she's like sometimes I see an old Chevy Cavalier and she's like I just know that that you know and so yes. just recognizing these different ways it is our own languaging yeah and for me, numbers are really, I'm, I have a photographic memory. So numbers for me are really, I just am aware of them. I could tell you phone numbers from when I was a kid, you know, so that for me is a really important piece, but whatever your languaging is starting to go, okay, that's my languaging, right? Just like you said, butterflies. And you know, I see, I mean, you hear a lot of different kinds of animals, uh, mm. just again, just paying attention. And if it's not obvious or doesn't connect for you, just I always say, just keep asking for the signs to be more obvious. Keep asking for the signs to be louder. Just keep asking for that because when we do that, then all of a sudden, at some point you're going to start to tune to it. So if you're doing that in in conjunction with your healing work, which is so fundamental into really opening this as a strong gateway for you and strong communication, if you're doing them in conjunction, it will just get louder. They will get more obvious and it will become easier uh, along with that. That's so funny. Cause I won't, I won't tell this story like, it, cause it's so long, but I'll just basically say that I was asking for a sign a while ago and I got one sign and I went, eh, I don't really know. Like maybe I, I need another one. I got another sign. I was like, Oh, you know, I don't know. I probably need another one. I've got another sign. And then I said, you know what? I really actually just need an email. Um, so I was trying to get a sign with the word grace in it. Okay. And I said, I really need an email um, sent to me maybe, you know, someone just emailing the afterlight and going, Hey, Lauren, Grace, da, da, da. That would be good if I got an email. So later on that day, I got an email in my inbox from a person named Grace. 
And I just thought that was the best, but kind of like you're talking about, I said, no, I need another sign a little bit more obvious, <laughs> a little bit more obvious, a little bit more obvious. And I think that I was sort of afraid of moving into, you know, the next phase, which is why I kept asking for these signs. Cause I was sort of delaying doing something, <laughs> but I love how you're talking about, you know, going, no, just keep asking and they will continue to deliver. But one of the things that, you know, you sort of mentioned is that you need to be aware and being aware is a lot about being present and being in the here and now and not being trapped in your mind and, and in the past and in the future. So how do you kind of develop your present awareness to be able to take note of the numbers around you, to be able to see the butterflies that fly by, to be able to hear the messages that come into, you know, your mind from spirit? Do you meditate? Do you go out in nature? I know, well, I know you go out in nature, your exercise, is that helpful? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, all of those things you just mentioned being in nature, I'm actually going on like a two week road trip in, uh, next week, like nice. out of the blue, I could tell it's a long story. <laughs> I go into it. I'm really, really excited about it. But so there is that. And one of the things I always talk about in terms of just building our awareness, which is sort of a, uh, the lesser it's the lesser, maybe what might be perceived as fun way to do this, but it is the more conscious, uh, creation conscious choosing in the healing way is just to start to ask some questions and start to take responsibility for everything that's happening in our life. So if I can ask some questions around why this is here for me, right? What is this here to show me? How is this here to help me to learn and grow? In uh, even one of my favorite questions, though, we can be in resistance to this depending on where we are in our path. How did I create this? So. Mm -hmm. If I can start to ask myself some questions around everything, not just around a, you know, the good things, but around every single thing, and then really just start to ask some questions and start to pay attention and get those awarenesses. The more I can do that, the more, again, that is going to start to open, it just opens your awareness and asking questions is one of the best ways for us to connect with our loved ones on the other side. It's one of the best ways for us to create our life period. Mm -hmm. Why is your life a little bit more fulfilled or more full? Uh, because you've been able to continue your relationships with those you love who have passed away. You've mentioned your, your mom, you've mentioned your grandparents, you know, how do you find that that's enhanced your life? Yeah. So here's the thing before I had my awakening and I had that experience, I thought like everybody, right. You lose them. Right. I was like you, the relationship sort of, even though I kept was asking my mother for science, it, it was still like, I felt, you know, you felt that loss, that human loss. You felt like you, that person was no longer there. Yeah. Then when I started to realize, wait a minute, I don't lose them, that I actually, it's, it's, it's really what's coming up for me right now. It's, it's an abundance mindset versus a scarcity mindset, right? So it's this abundance mindset of, I get to have more relationships versus, you know, as through the course of your life, you go and your relationships keep diminishing, 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 right? Where they get less and less and less and you have less people around you. So all of a sudden, you get to have more relationships, you get to have different relationships and you get to have ma these magical relationships because it is fun to me. I think it's so fun to play. It's like, Hey, show me a sign. And then to get someone's name on the inside of a coffee cup. That's like, that's, that's magical shit. Yeah, it <laughs> so, is. You know, it's like, yeah. oh my gosh, that's super cool. Yeah. And so there's the, the aspect of it, of the signs. And then there's just the aspect of, wow, like the special love that you feel when someone crosses over, especially someone you are close to, and you can still connect with them. You can still see them and see and get a sense of what their experience is. It feels like my mother's like playing tennis right now. That's what I keep seeing when I'm like tuning into her like uh, spiritual tennis. It can be this beautiful mix and this beautiful add-on in your life. I like that a lot. So I'm wondering whether or not there's anything, Deb, that you wanted to cover off in today's show that I didn't ask you. I know we covered through a lot. And I know that when you have an entire lifetime of knowledge and wisdom, it's really hard to kind of put it into an hour episode. Was there anything that you wanted to kind of elaborate a little bit more on? Or do you find that we, you know, we've kind of delivered what you wanted to say today? 
I would say the only thing that came up for me that I uh, would like to emphasize a little bit is that there's all kinds of um, healers and intuitives and psychics in our world. And the clarity of information that is shared is based on, I, this is my personal opinion and what I've experienced, the clarity of information that is shared is based on their vibration and the amount of healing that they've done on themselves. So, so much of the time, we because we all have these gifts, but if you're going to a psychic and they haven't cleaned their own self up, they may share something with you. And so just running that through your own funnel and being willing to decipher that mm-hmm. as your own truth and, and really saying, cause there's so much of the time. And I know, especially when I was younger on this journey, you know, I could go, I don't go to them now. Cause I find it's not the right thing for me where I am on my journey. But like when I, I would go to a, I don't know, a psychic. Right. And I would take what they would say as truth. And then that would limit a possibility or limit a timeline. It would limit some opening because I would take that as truth and not go, wait a minute, that's just one possibility. So when we can actually be very aware of I'm creating my reality, I get to decide if this, if I, first of all, this guy shows up, if I date this guy, (laughs) you know, if he's my partner, I get to decide all of that. And it's not about giving our power away to somebody else, even if they are like the world's greatest psychic, right? Just being very aware of I'm creating my reality and also just being very aware of what is the energy and vibrational level they're coming from? And is that vibrational level supportive of the message I need to hear right now? I think that's so good. And uh, I remember one time I was listening to somebody and they were talking about manifesting and they said, I want to manifest this or something better. And so when you're talking about that, you know, when you're seeing somebody else's interpretation based on their filter, based on their experiences, like you said, based on their level of healing, that's only coming from their window of possibility. And not everybody who's got a psychic or intuitive gift believes yet that, you know, that, that everything is possible. Some people are still limited by, you know, abundance mindset, all all these things. And so like you're saying, putting it through your own filter. And I also think it's important to mention as well that, you know, all the things that you've been talking about today are really significant to say that you need to trust your own truth. You need to trust your own guidance and, you know, sometimes when we're seeking too much outside counsel, I'm sure you would agree, we, we miss what our own inner truth is telling us. And so in your life, you know, would you say that, that that's been the most important sort of super skill is your ability to listen and connect with yourself? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely one of the most important and just that lesson of, I have the answers from within, right? Yeah. I, other people are not my source. I have those answers. I hold the answers within. They are meant to help to open those parts of me mm-hmm. and they might guide me. And at certain points in my journey, I needed that. But again, the more work we do on ourselves, the more healing we do, it is this return back to self, right? It is this healing of relationship with ourselves. It is this loving of ourselves. Yeah. So it is all those pieces. And so it, at the end of the day, we are we become, well, we are our source, but we remember that we return to that. (laughs) We honor that. So yeah, absolutely. Remember I did a course with, um, well, I did like a self-guided course with Sonia Choquette, uh, through Hay House was just absolutely amazing. But one of the things that she talked about was setting the intention to get your higher self to take over for the day. And I just thought that was so cool. Mm. You know, my higher self is going to run the show today and I can just sort of step back. And, uh, I think that, Yeah, I just wanted to share that because I just thought that was a really nice piece of um, wisdom. So how can people get a hold of you, Deb, if they'd like to find out more, if they'd like to pick up your book, if they want to follow you on social media? I know you said you like to keep things light, but uh, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Yeah, so they can find me on my website at deborahacker.com, which is just D-E-B-O-R-A-H-A-C-K-E-R.com. And on my site, I have my book, uh, Living Deeply. I have a complimentary 30 minute relationship assessment, where I will help you to uncover some of the hidden patterns that you can't see that 
are likely causing your relationship pain. And then we'll put a plan together to start to heal that. Um, I have my YouTube channel on that site as well, as well as my social media. So all the information um, is on the homepage of my website, but uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's how you find me. <laughs> Perfect. Sounds good. And I'll put a link to all that in the show notes as well for our listener at home. Well, thank you, Deb, so much for your wisdom and your knowledge and uh, your passion. It's really obvious that you really love what you do and what you're talking about. That's really come through today. So thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> Hi, thanks so much for listening to the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please leave us a review where you listen to your podcasts and share it with your friends. Thank you. New episodes every Thursday.